Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, and and for your blessings in our life. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our church and the hearts of our people. Lord, we thank you for uh, Anna Sophia this morning and and Neely last week and so many before her and and so many more still to come, Father. We praise your name. We praise your holy name, Father. Let us never look at these moments as just a quick passing things we do, Father. Help us to see them in light of eternity. In light of eternity, Father, our lives have been changed. Father, thank you for letting us be a part of that, just a small little part of that, for witnessing that, Lord, and and for uh, just seeing the work of grace, Lord, and the work of mercy in the lives of these precious people. Lord, I pray for our time together now, Lord, as we open your word. It's absolute truth. It's foundational. We build our lives upon your word, Father. And I pray for the next few minutes as we examine it, as we study it, Father, you would just challenge our hearts, Lord. You would open our eyes to new truth. Lord, may we sense your presence and your power through your word, and may we be transformed more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we are continuing our sermon series today that we've defined, we've entitled Defining Us. Connect, grow, serve. It's a vision for our church. It's, it's a direction for our church. It's, it's, it's a way to be challenged. Uh, it's, it should become, we want it to become the heartbeat of who we are. We want you to see it and hear it and understand it and, and live it out. And so I want to show it to you today. If you'd bring that statement up for me, please. As we talk about defining us and who we are, we want you, we want every person at our church to connect to Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, Serve Jesus here and around the world. And so if you're brand new, if this is the first Sunday with us, welcome. We're so glad you're here. You're welcome to come back anytime. I'd love to get to know you more and introduce you to the people of this church. But we would love for you to connect. We'd love for you to grow. We'd love for you to serve. And we're talking through that, working through that. And if you've been here for a long time, and maybe you've already done some of these things, or maybe you kind of are in the process of doing these things, as you consider how you can continue to grow in your life and and develop, you should be asking yourself the question, what can I be doing now to help somebody else do this? How can I help somebody connect to Jesus and to his church? How can I help somebody grow in their understanding of God's word and their faith? How can I help somebody serve Jesus here and around the world? And so we've developed this, this sermon series and really this whole study over the next many weeks that's so much more than just a sermon. So if you're just coming on Sunday mornings and hearing the sermon and going home, you're missing a big portion of what this ought to be. You're missing a big portion of church and the importance of church. And so we've designed a lot of things. Jeremy's going to come up at the end of the service and give you a little bit more detail. But there's a study guide. You can get kind of a devotional guide. You can get and take home to read, to, to study, to do devotions with your families. We'd love for you to do that. We'd love for you to get involved in it. There's prayer guide involved. And we just want you to take these things and take what we learn in the Sunday morning worship and what we learn in the Sunday school and apply that to your life. 
One of the things I love about what we're doing with this sermon series is that what we study on Sunday mornings in the worship service, in the main worship service, is exactly what you're going to study in Sunday school. It's what your kids are going to study and down in the, our student section with our children all the way down to preschool. And so you can go home in the afternoon like I did last week. I rode home with my son Jonas and I'm talking to him about what he learned in Sunday school. And that was cool. It was a good discussion for us. Because he learned some of the same things we talked about in our worship service. He learned the same thing his sisters were learning. And he had a different perspective, which was awesome to me. He didn't just regurgitate the things I had said. His Sunday school teacher took their information that they were supposed to teach and had done a really good job of figuring out how to make it practical for sixth grade boys. And so he had some discussion with me and brought some things to light. And he had looked at some of the specific words and the studies. And I just love that. I think that's neat how we're all on the same page all heading in the same direction. It's really cool how this is going to work. But if you're just here on Sunday morning for a few minutes in a worship service, you're missing it. You're missing a beautiful part of what we want you to be a part of. And so last week we started the process of preaching through this vision. Last week we, we talked about the idea of connecting to Jesus. And let me just say this again because I know there are new people with us every Sunday morning. And again, welcome. We're glad you're here. But the foundation of everything we do here the foundation of our worship services, of our Sunday schools, of our small groups, of Deep Roots, of the mission project, of everything that we do is built upon Christ. And we want you to connect with Him first. And so last week was about salvation. It was Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. And if you were not here, you can pull up the podcast and listen to it. But I really stressed last week the importance of understanding the significance of salvation. I think far too many people see salvation as this box they check off. Like years ago, they kind of checked the box off, they walked the aisle and said the prayer, and they got the, the ticket to heaven, and they stuck it in their back pocket, and they never thought about it again. There's no growth, they're not challenged in their faith, they're not, they're not interested in the things of the Lord on a regular basis. So I just wanted to kind of challenge you to think a little bit beyond that and, and understand the, the beauty and the significance of going from death, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, to life. From darkness into the light. And so your salvation isn't just a box you checked years ago. It's instead a lifestyle for you. Right? It changes everything about who you are and how you think and, and how you live. And so, so the first thing you do is you connect with Jesus. But this morning I want to talk about his church. Because we want you to connect to Jesus and his church. And I, I think one of the best places we can read and understand and study the, the church and kind of the model we can use for church is Acts chapter 2. So let me give you just a little bit of background of the book of Acts, <clears throat> what's happened up to this point. It'll help you understand what we're going to study this morning. At this point in the Bible, if you were to kind of take the, the, the meta-narrative, right, the big picture of Scripture, Jesus has come, he's lived his life, uh, he's been crucified, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And in Acts chapter 2, the first part of the chapter, we read about Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers... And they begin to speak in other languages and other tongues. And then Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2. And you can read this today if you want to on your own. And he gives this incredible sermon. He preaches to these people about Jesus and about the sacrifice of Jesus and what Jesus did. And he offers salvation to these people. And so I want to pick that up in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Peter has finished preaching He's finished talking about Christ, and now we're going to get kind of the results of that sermon, and then this just incredible picture, I believe, of the early church, and a model for us 2,000 years later in the way that we live. So Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41, right? Peter's just given this sermon, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
verse 42. And they, these are the 3,000 people that were added in, in addition to the believers that were already there. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and many signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now I want to stop there this morning, and I want to do it a little bit different this morning. I want to give you kind of one main idea, one main theme, and then several sub-points that come from that. And what I want to do this morning is kind of give you the definition of the church. Like as we think about a church, what should a church be? How should a church function? What are the important things within a church? I want to give you this definition based on Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 that I believe defines the church and gives us a model as we move forward. So here's the definition of the church. We have it on the screen. The early church was a group of baptized Christians that were devoted to Christ and desired to grow in their faith within a community of believers. Now that's kind of long. Let's read it again. The early church was a group of baptized Christians that were devoted to Christ and desired to grow in their faith within a community of believers. Now I want to break that down and kind of think through that a little bit because this is significant. Right? We we read in Acts the Lord has given us this clear picture. He's given us this very clear model. <clears throat> this is the way these people thought. This is how they acted. This is how they lived. This is the church modeled for us. And so I want to think through that and give you several subpoints this morning together. Here's the first subpoint based on this definition in Acts chapter 2. The early church was made up of baptized Christians. Now I want you to see this scripturally, right? This isn't my opinion. This isn't something I've made up or kind of come up with on my own. We pull this idea straight from the text, right? By the way, what we should always do when we study God's word, what we should always do when we study God's word is understand the intent of the author, what's what the Lord trying to say to us, what does it mean, and then how can we apply it to our lives. So Acts chapter 2 verse 42 gives us this real clear picture. I want you to look at two verses again to see that the early church was made up of baptized Christians. The first one is Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Pull that up if you would. So those who received his word, now his word is Peter. He's been preaching, he's been talking about salvation, he's been talking about repentance in Christ. So those who received that word, in other words, those people that were saved, they received that truth, they heard that truth, they were saved. Those people were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now go to verse 47. Praising God, still speaking of this group, and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, so the early church was made up of believers that had been baptized, that trusted the Lord. Now here's what this means. It means that the church is made up of Christians, the people. You understand that, right? Like the church is not a building. As beautiful as this is and as incredible as our facilities are, these are just tools we use. Right? If all this burned to the ground tomorrow, the church would still be fine. Why? Because we're the church. 
Right? If we took everybody out of this building and moved you out to the field or moved you to another place in town or moved you all the way around the world, we would still be the church. Why? Because the church is made up of the people that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the church. That's an important distinction for us to make because we do this and I do it with my kids and, and you probably do. I don't really mean anything by it, but a lot of times I'll say, hey, I'm going to church and I really mean the building. Like we're going to church tonight because I've got a meeting or I'm going to church tonight for Wednesday night supper or I'm going to church for this and we mean the building, right? I'm going to the building, but in fact the church is the body of believers. And so when we talk about membership to a local church, we talk about membership to Rosemont Baptist Church, we talk about two main ideas found in this scripture. The first one is that a person has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The second is they've been baptized. And so a part of our membership process, part of our membership meeting is to go through this and explain this to people and to help them understand this. And by the way, if you have questions about that, and I'm going to talk about membership class here in just a few minutes, kind of the next steps. But if you have questions about your salvation or about your baptism or what they mean or you'd like to talk more, I can talk to you. We can get one of our team members to talk to you. There are lots of people in our church that would love to help you understand more what this means for you. But the early church, very simply, was made up of baptized believers. Here's the second kind of sub-point I want you to get this morning. The early church was devoted to the things of the Lord. Now, this is important. I want to spend a few minutes thinking about this. The early church was devoted to the things of the Lord. I want you to look at verse 42 again. So pull up Acts 2.42. It doesn't say, and they were half-hearted in their faith. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say they got to the things of the Lord when they had a chance to. It doesn't say there were five or six other things more important to them, and then whenever uh, they felt like it, they did the things of the Lord. The Bible says the early church, right? If we're going to model ourselves from the early church, if we're trying to understand the teachings of Scripture and who they were and who we ought to be, the word that's awfully important, especially in our context in the Western world today, is this word devoted. They devoted themselves to the things of the Lord. Now, it gives us four specific things that I want to think through this morning. The Bible says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, if you think about the apostles' teaching, this is interesting for us because in the first century, the New Testament did not exist, right? I've said this before. John had not written his gospel when these people met in Acts chapter 2. Paul had not written a letter to the Ephesians. And so what they studied were the apostles' teachings, right? The people that had walked with Jesus the people that had learned from Jesus, the people that had studied Jesus, these people were now orally teaching these first followers, right? Now, here's how we need to apply this to our lives because we can't listen to the apostles' teachings anymore. They're dead. But what we understand is what the apostles taught the first century church, they eventually wrote down that became the Gospels and the New Testament. And so these people are studying New Testament writings. They're just doing it orally. As the apostles are speaking, as they're teaching, these people devoted themselves to learning and to hearing and to understanding. So here's a question for you. Have you connected to to God's church? Have you connected to this church, to a local body, through your devotion to the teaching of his word? That's a good question to ask. Like, How devoted are you to the word of God? Are you memorizing it? Are you teaching it? Are you studying it? Like, if I, And I'm not going to do this so you don't have to get cold sweats and, and start getting scared, figuring out how you're going to get up and run to the bathroom real quick. If I went around this room right now and said, give me five Bible verses you memorized, go. Could you do it? Could you do one? This is the old saying we used to do when we were young. Could you do one for every year you've been born? 
Seriously, I mean, come on, one a year? That's not out of the realm of possibility. One a year is doable. Could you name, so for me it'd be 22. Could I do 22 Bible verses? <laughs> Y'all are like, I thought he was younger than that. Could you do a Bible verse for every year you've been born? That's a good challenge. It's a good place to start, right? Are we devoted? Are we devoted to the things of the Lord, right? The next one is they're devoted to fellowship and community. Now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause there. I'm going to come back to that because there's a lot more in there about community and fellowship. Are we devoted to the breaking of bread? I know we think about meals, and that's important. They, they met together. They met together with purpose when they did the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to preach about that here in a couple of weeks. Right? You remember Jesus, right before he was arrested and crucified, he met with his followers. They had the Last Supper in the upper room. They broke bread together, and Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Right? There's, there's a reason we do this. We fellowship together and we break bread together. We're devoting ourselves to that. And then the last one, and I, I think the one that probably is most uh, ignored in the, the, the modern church is the idea of devotion to prayer. Right? Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. Now, I don't have any, any uh, data to prove this, but it just seems to me as I talk to people and as I have conversations with people, it's like the idea of prayer has been kind of relegated in far too many people's lives down to the bottom of the list. We, we do a lot of things, and we're involved in a lot of things, and we're busy in a lot of parts of the world, and some of those things are really good, but how devoted are we to prayer? I mean, that's a question we ought to be asking. Are there things you're more devoted to? Are there things you do instead of praying? We're reading a book as a, as a staff, and it's a great book. And I can't even remember the name of it right now. What is it? Pursuit of God. Such a great book, can't remember the name of it. Tozier. A.W. Tozier. Fantastic Christian classic, Pursuit of God. It's incredible because he's, he's, he's really challenging us in our faith and, and, and what we believe. But he's talking about priorities oftentimes and how things come ahead and possessions and things come ahead of the things of the Lord. What's more important? And so I've, I've been kind of working through this. I've been thinking through it. I've been really kind of wrestling with it individually in, in my walk. And I've kind of come to this point in my life where I'm beginning to realize sometimes my own enjoyment and my own pleasure come before the things of the Lord. Here's what I mean. There are plenty of times in my life I could spend more time reading or studying, devoting myself to the Word of God, devoting myself to prayer, devoting myself to community and fellowship believers. But I'd rather spend it online looking at Facebook. I'd rather read about some college football predictions on ESPN. I'd ra rather look at Netflix, right? And I'm not, those things are not wrong. I'm not preaching against those things. I'm just saying, I'm just talking to you personally about me. Sometimes I'm more devoted to those things than I am the things of the Lord. Because I'm really busy, but I got time to do those things. What, what, what are we willing to, to move around? What, what, what are we willing to kind of shake up and change a little bit so we can be more devoted to the things of the Lord, right? Because the word devoted is awfully important. They devoted themselves to these things, not half-hearted, not lukewarm. They were devoted. They were committed to the things of Christ. Here's the third sub-point. I want to get into this for a few minutes. The early church lived in community and fellowship. This is awfully important. This is awfully important because in our world today, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, we've become very individualistic in our faith. It's not how the early century church lived. And so I want you to listen. You don't have to look at it, but I want you to listen to the words in Acts chapter 2 that describe this early church. Verse 42 uses words like fellowship together. Verse 44, they were together. They had all things in common. 
Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. Right? There, there's this sense they were fellowshipping, they were together, they were in their homes, they, they had things in common. There's this idea of a deep-rooted sense of community. Right? The Greek word is koinonia, which has a real sense of giving up and being willing to sacrifice for other people. It's not just saying hello to someone. Like we, we talk about community and, and, and fellowship together and what that looks like. And, and for far too many people, it means they're simply going to pass somebody in the hall and say hi to them. Right? And, and you know, like I do, typically when you ask somebody how they're doing, they're going to give you kind of the best. I mean, I'm fine. They're probably not going to delve into the struggles they're going into. Why? Because it's difficult in that moment. It's not real community. But, but the idea of devoting themselves to the idea of fellowship and, and community together it meant that they shared together. They, they're growing together. They're serving together. They're ministering together. They're hurting together. So, so just watch this now. If, if we're going to talk about the idea that the church really is made up of the people, which it is, that's biblical, the Christians, and we're going to talk about devoting ourselves to community and to fellowship, which is biblical, then what that really means is we need to connect to the people of the church, right? We need to connect to each other. It's not enough just to show up and pass them in the hall and say, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. See you next week, right? That's a, maybe a good start. But there has to be within a body of Christ, a body of believers in a local church, there has to be smaller pockets of people that have gathered together to challenge themselves, to learn about Christ, to live life in community, to grow together, to serve together, to hurt together, to lift each other up. And so one of the ways we do that here at Rosemont, one of the ways we help people connect is through small groups, Sunday schools, right? And so I'm, I'm going to challenge you, and Jeremy's going to be in just a few minutes to talk a little bit more about this, but I'm going to challenge you. Every person in this room should be in a small group somewhere. You should be in some sort of a small group with a group of people that can challenge you, hold you accountable. Maybe that's a Sunday morning Sunday school for you. We have lots of opportunities for those. Maybe it's sometime during the week we've got some Wednesday night small groups that are forming. We've got some small groups that meet at other times during the week. But you should be devoted, so the scripture says, to this idea of community. You're like, I'm too busy, I can't have time. Well, then, you know, that's between you and the Lord. My job isn't to force you to do anything. My job is to reveal truth to you. Then allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. But you've got to figure that out. But if you're going to be honest about what Scripture teaches and how we ought to live and how we ought to grow, we need to be connected to each other. One of the great ways of doing that is through this idea of small groups, Sunday schools, meeting together, fellowshipping, breaking bread, studying the Bible, praying. That's what the early church did. Now, here's what some people do, right? We live in this world of individualism. They say, I don't, I don't need the church, Adam. I don't have to come to church to worship I don't have to come to church to be a Christian. Uh, you've kind of heard the lines before. Now, technically, I would agree with you. You don't have to come to the church, come to this building and be in a service to be a Christian. You don't have to come here to be saved, technically, because you can't accept Christ as your Lord and Savior outside of the body. But it's not how God designed it. Like God didn't design Christianity to be an individual sport. It's a team sport. And he wants us to be part of a team. He wants us to be part of a group. He wants us to fellowship together, to devote ourselves to one another, to live in community, right? So I want to kind of read this scripture. I want you to understand the significance of the church to the Lord. So Ephesians chapter 3, I think we have it on the screen for you. I want you to listen to what Ephesians chapter 3 says. This is Paul writing. He says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, the grace was given. 
to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, verse 10, here it is, so that through the church, you see that? The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Right, here's what you need to understand. God's plan for the world comes straight through the local church. It's not through missions organizations. It's not through some social justice group. It's not through a parachurch organization. It's not even through prayer teams that meet out in the community. Although all those things are great. I'm not against those things. I'm not preaching against any of those things. But I'm simply telling you, God's plan to reach the world is through the church. And so if you find yourself involved in, in 10 different Bible studies out in the community and five or six different prayer groups and a couple of prayer church organizations, but you can't find time to be here at church and to fellowship with a local group of people and be in a small group studying God's Word, you're missing the teaching of Acts chapter 2. You're missing it. We don't need to fall into this trap of thinking, I can just kind of do this on my own. I can do this outside of the church. Because the New Testament is filled with examples of how significant the church is. In fact, the church belongs to the Lord, and it's the bride of Christ. That's what Scripture teaches. So just for example, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus speaking to Peter, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? Who will build the church? Jesus will. Who owns the church? Jesus does. This isn't my church, this isn't your church, not the deacon's church. This is the, the church of the Lord, right? We, we trust Him and we trust Christ. And we read in verses like Ephesians 5.25, speaking of husbands. Like I love, I use this verse when I do premarital counseling. Like I, I love doing premarital counseling because in premarital counseling, everything's good. <laughs> nobody's mad at anybody else. Nobody said anything wrong. Everybody's happy, right? They're good experiences. And we always start in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. If you're looking for a biblical model of marriage, you ought to read that. Husbands, it gives you your role, what you're supposed to be doing. Wives, it gives you your role, what you're supposed to be doing. And then it draws this conclusion, which is in Ephesians 5, 25, and following this beautiful picture of Christ in the church and how a marriage looks like Christ in the church. So Ephesians 5, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, there's a lot to be learned in there, men, about how to be a husband. But the picture that Paul's drawing from is the picture of Christ and his love for the church and how he was willing to give himself for this body. Right? The Bible says, listen, Jesus loved the church so much, he was willing to come and die on the cross for it. So, so the next time somebody says, you know, church isn't really important uh, to me. It's not really, I don't have to be there. I don't really have to get involved. You need to remind them, listen, the church, first of all, was God's idea. He created it. He owns it. And he loved it so much he sent Christ to die on the cross for it. And the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. That's a big deal. It matters what we're doing here. It matters in our lives. It's significant to us. And it matters enough that we ought to be devoted to it. Because when we kind of get away from it, when we get away from a group of people that can hold us accountable and challenge us, we kind of drift sometimes. You know, it's amazing when I'm by myself thinking I'm always right. Isn't that amazing? I never say anything wrong. I never really do anything wrong. It's only when I get around other people that I do things wrong and say things wrong. It's amazing how that happens, isn't it? 
See, God has designed this for us as believers to kind of rub shoulders with each other, to challenge each other, to learn and grow in our faith through this process, right? The church matters to God. It should matter to us. Now, I want you to notice the result here as we kind of wind this thing down. Look at verse 46 and 47. When you you get a, a group of people that have been saved, that are trusting the Lord, that have devoted themselves to these things, to the Word of God and to prayer and to fellowship and the Lord's Supper and eating together, when you do those things and you operate like this, notice the result. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple court, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad Generous hearts, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Here it is. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a beautiful picture of how the Lord works and how when he gives us this model and we follow it and we devote ourselves to him and we find community and we find fellowship and we study the word of God and we pray God blesses it and great things happen. So I'm going to give you, now I want to finish up with this. I'm going to give you kind of four next steps. You're saying, I get it, I understand, I'm new here, maybe I've been here a while. What what are the next steps for me? What are the things I ought to be doing? The first one is salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's just start there. I I just have this nagging fear that there are people in our church that have never truly received Christ. And I'm not thinking of anybody. I have no idea. I just worry that there are people here that have maybe said a prayer, or years ago they thought something, but there's no actual fruit in their life. They're not really growing. They're, they're not really interested in the things of the Lord. Man, let's just start there. If you have a question about salvation or your faith or, or want to learn more, I'm happy to talk to you about that. But your first step is salvation in Christ. The second one is to find a small group, right? And we're calling Sunday school classes. and It's the same thing. Maybe it's a Sunday morning Sunday school class. They'll meet at 11 o'clock here in just a few minutes. You're lo- you're, we'd love for you to be part of that. Maybe it's a small group that meets on a Wednesday night that's forming or one of our small groups that meets on another night of the week. We have all sorts of opportunities for you. Jeremy's going to be in the fellowship hall in just a few minutes. He can help you think through what a small group might look like for you and one that you can join. But again, I want to challenge every person in here, every one of you, need to be in a small group. Here's the fourth thing. If you're new and want to learn more about our church, September the 8th, we're doing a guest luncheon. We started doing this several years ago. This was just a good way for us to connect to people. Like I have people that visit our church and they're guests with us and they, they come down and talk to me after church and it's a, just a, a real quick opportunity to say hello, but we wanted more time. We wanted more of a chance to hear people's stories and talk to them and, and le- let them learn a little bit more about us. And so we do a guest luncheon at my house. Our team comes. If you're new to Rosemont, you're invited. We'd love to have you. You don't have to sign up. You can just show up. It's on us. We'll feed you lunch. There's no pressure. It's not like we're trying to sell you a timeshare. Okay, you don't have to sign up for anything. You just show up and eat, hang out, and then go home. It's pretty easy. We'd love to have you there. And then the fourth step, September the 15th, we're starting a brand new membership class. So if you want to learn more about our church and hear about our, our beliefs and who we are and why we're doing what we're doing and kind of start that process of membership, we'd love for you to be a part of that as well. Now I want to finish with this. I want you to close your Bibles, close your notebooks up, we're kind of winding down here. I want to kind of challenge you with a couple of simple questions. Stacy, you guys can come on up. Team, y'all can come on up. Is there preparing in the back? As you kind of settle in, I want to challenge you with two very simple questions and then tell you just a real quick story. Question number one, have you connected with Christ? It's just real simple. It doesn't matter what other people think. If other people think maybe you have and you really haven't, that's okay. 
Let's not let's get caught up in what other people think, and I can't believe I'm walking to talk to our pastor about Christ when he thought I was a believer. Just throw all that. It doesn't matter. And eternity is at stake. You understand that? Your very souls are at stake here. Have you connected with Christ? And have you connected with his church? Are, are you serious in your faith? Are, are, are you devoted to the things of Christ? Are you devoted to the things of the Lord? Are you devoted to a small group and studying the word of God and, and, and praising God with other people around you? You know, some of you know this story about me. Some of you don't. But before I was the pastor, I was the associate pastor. So nine years ago or so, I was the associate pastor. And then before that, I was just a member of this church. Amy and I joined this church in the late 90s. We'd moved back to LaGrange younger couple, didn't have any children, looking for a church to serve, loved Rosemont, just fell in love with the ministry of the church. But what we kind of figured out early on in the process was this church really loved one another. In fact, kind of the old saying of Rosemont was, oh, how they loved one another. I want you to know we still love you. I still care very deeply about who you are and your walk with Christ. And I'm not just up here because I want to just hear myself talk. I'm up here because I want to challenge you in your walk because I understand, even though I fail and I'm sinful, I understand the glory and the beauty of following Christ. I understand what that looks like. And I'm not always there myself, but when I am, and it's rich. I want you to feel that. I want you to experience that. I want you to understand who Christ is in your life. I want you to have a, a legitimate, real relationship and walk with him on a daily basis. I'd love for you to connect with him. I'd love for you to connect with this church. I'll do anything in my power to help you do that as we pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your glory. It's a beautiful ride, Lord. It's a beautiful journey. And there's potholes along the way, and there's struggles, and there's setbacks, and there's mistakes and sins. But in the midst of all that, Father, you reign supreme. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we love you. And we desperately want to serve you, Father. So I pray you would open our eyes to who you are, to serving you, to loving you, to committing to you, to devoting your, ourselves to who you are, Father. Use us to accomplish great things. May this be the moment where hearts and minds change for you and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us as the altar's open. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. 
Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.